Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am the host of A Pen and a Napkin Podcast, your coaching clinic that you can carry around with you in your pocket. We are at book club number 10, and this week uh, it is going to be another multi-part book. Uh, this one, just planning on being two parts. Uh, we just did John Gordon's You Win the Locker Room first, and we had three separate segments on that. We're just going to do two segments on this book, but it is still an outstanding book. It is called Getting to Us, How Great Coaches Make Great Teams, and is written by the uh, famous author Seth Davis. A really, really good read. This just came out a couple of years ago, and uh, this week we're going to go through the first half of the book. Next week we're going to go through the second half of the book. We're going to highlight I believe five coaches here today, um, but uh, to get to us, as Seth Davis points out, uh, he talks about how these coaches have a PEAK profile, and, and PEAK is an acronym standing for Persistence, Empathy, Authenticity, and Knowledge. So let's go through the roll call here. Uh, persistence, uh, he, he describes that as the strain of character one leans upon during those quiet moments when self-doubt creeps in. Uh, the unglamorous stuff. Um, and if you lack persistence, you will be unable to basically get to where you want to go to get your way out of adversity because all of us in some way, shape, or form in our life are going to go through some adversity. Um, one of the things I really liked here, uh, Davis put in there, persistence is the mortar that holds the bricks together when the high winds blow. And I thought that was a, a really, really... Uh, great description of the word persistence, right? Empathy. Uh, great coaches uh, learn about their players. They take time to acquire uh, critical information that helps them understand what makes them tick. And you're empathetic to what's going on in their lives and who they are and the type of person that each one of your players are. Authenticity. Uh, you got to be yourself and then act accordingly. Uh, try not to be anybody other than yourself. Uh, give them confidence that you are fully behind them. Um, and knowledge, of course, is uh, everything that you know. A, a, a lifetime spent of acquiring the knowledge necessary uh, to, to give the instructions that you think are important to help your athletes get better and your teams achieve their goal of victory. All right. Uh, so the first person we're going to talk about here and the first person profiled in the book is Urban Meyer. Uh, this was when he was at Ohio State. Um, he talked about dividing up his team into nine units and having nine unit leaders. And I believe those units were quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, offensive linemen, defensive linemen, linebackers, and defensive backs, and then, of course, special teams. And those units would be, uh, each one of those nine units had their own uh, kind of core beliefs, and they were led by their leaders, and then those leaders would come together and bring the entire team together. Uh, of course, Urban Meyer has not once, but now twice, uh, taken time away from coaching football. Um, obviously, it's a profession. Coaches, uh, we know that it can eat you up, and, and I'm just as guilty as anybody else. Um, sometimes you have to, to, to step back. You have to conserve your own energy, as, as Urban Meyer talks about. You have to reevaluate what's really important in your life. Uh, sometimes we get so um, I think obsessed is not an inaccurate word of trying to develop our programs and we're worried about so many other things uh, within the program that we forget about our own families, our own loved ones, that type of thing. Um, e plus R equals O uh, is a very famous um, Urban Meyer um, saying, and he got that from a, a, a guy by the name of Tim Kite. 
K-I-G-H-T, uh, event plus response equals outcome. Now you can't control the event, but you can control your response and that can equal the outcome. And that is something that all coaches need to emphasize. You're not going to control everything that happens on the field or on the court uh, every time you step out, but you can control your response to those events and hopefully that will equal the outcome that you want. Um, he also wraps up with, he says, I'm just to the point in my life where I just want to coach people that I like. And I can uh, relate to that sentiment. I know a lot of you can relate to that sentiment out there that you just want to coach people that you like. All right. So Urban Meyer in getting to know us. The next one up here is Tom Izzo. And and Tom Izzo is a guy that I've uh, always admired. I've always looked up to. I've always enjoyed watching his teams play. Um kind of identify with obviously not in the same stratosphere as a coach but just growing up in a small town trying to do things the right way um you know he talks about uh being uh guilty a lot and and how guilt is his constant companion when he's at home he feel like he feels like he should be a working when he's working he feels like he should be at home i know a lot of us are in that same situation uh he talked about working for his his grandfather and his father in the in the local store and how he learned how to look people in the eye uh to be on time every day ready to work how to count out change which is an a a forgotten uh aspect of life today uh but just uh, how to connect with people on the simplest of terms. And basically, there's two type of people. Uh, either they were honest or they weren't honest. Either they worked hard or they didn't work hard. And I think that's uh, a, a great way to look at it. And it's a great thing that you should be teaching your teams and teaching your individuals. And therefore, if you're teaching your individuals, you're teaching your teams. Um, you know, one of the great quotes here from Izzo, I've always said a player coached team is much better than a coach coached team. And, and I cannot emphasize that enough. I know in my career, uh, the teams where I had to coach a lot or had to, to coach and talk a lot, it, it felt like uh, those were our toughest seasons chemistry-wise and performance-wise. The, the seasons I actually said very little uh, were the seasons that were our most successful. And, and it had nothing, you know, sometimes those it was more wins or more losses uh, one way or the other, but just the, the, the experience that you have that season. Um, you know, he talked about, you know, he, in the book, he talked about how he really hasn't done much with USA basketball, uh, because he felt like it would take away from his family and his family basketball wise is Michigan state. You know, his sole focus is on Michigan state basketball. I know, uh, if you are the coach of a high school program, uh, we're kind of entering this world where sometimes we feel like we're pulled where, uh, we feel like we maybe have to get involved with an AAU program to ensure that maybe we'll get this kid here or get that kid there. Uh, it's a difficult place to put yourself into because you do spend so much time developing your own high school program. And now there seems like there's more and more of an expectation of coaching an AAU team or being part of an AAU program in your off season. And that is uh, that's, that's a lot to do. Um, it, it puts a strain on you. It puts a strain on your family. Um, and so that's something to think about as well. Um, he also talks about, uh, in a little bit colorful language, basically talking about old school versus, uh, new school. And he, and he basically says, you know, there, there's no such thing. Um, uh, that's why there are no leaders on teams anymore. I'm quoting him here. Kids can't communicate. 
blank that old school stuff. This is not about old school, new school. It's about right school, wrong school. And I think that's the way, you know, Tom is, well, he's the type of guy, you're either going to do things the right way or you're going to do things the wrong way. And that's something that I've always really, really admired about Coach Izzo and the way that he runs his program. So that's Tom Izzo in uh, Seth Davis's Getting to Know Us. Uh, Coach Krzyzewski is next up here. Uh, you know, we think of Coach K, we think of the five national championships, the uh, I don't know how many Final Fours that he's been to, the gold medals, everything that he's done. Uh, but I thought it was really interesting. Uh, and I'm just going to quote from the book here. Um, there are moments when even the most persistent men feel broken. For Mike Krzyzewski, that moment came after a game on December 12th, 1981, when he cried alone in a shower. Now, can you imagine Mike Krzyzewski... Uh, multiple gold medal winner, five-time national champion, um, alone crying because he was so frustrated, so angry, so hurt, uh, so in pain over coaching a basketball game. And, and uh, you know, I think the, the greatest lesson to take from that coach is, is whether you're at the highest level or the lowest level, we've all been in that situation. Now, you have to stay persistent, as uh, Seth Davis says in the book here. Um, he, you know, one of the things that motivates Krzyzewski is the past. Uh, one year in the ACC tournament, they lost to Virginia, and this was when Virginia was really good with Ralph Sampson. Very famously, they lost 109 to 66. And after the game, uh, that in this game ended their season, they're out having a meal, and somebody raised a toast, Here's to forgetting tonight. And Krzyzewski very famously said, Here's to never forgetting about tonight. Uh, because he was going to, he was, it was going to drive him. And, you know, it drove Krzyzewski for a long time, those people that doubted him, those that wanted him out at Duke, uh, those that didn't have faith in what he was doing. Um, he talks about friction and how it may be unpleasant, but it's it has to be authentic. Uh, friction wards off complacency in the locker room. You have to keep uh, moving forward here. Um, you make decisions, you know, on playing time based on performance, not on hierarchy. And and who's the oldest? And or you know, if you're younger, well, you're not supposed to play yet. Well, you're older. Well, you're supposed to play. Eh, no, it's it's based on who's doing their job better. All right. Um, you know, he tells a story about uh, Quinn Cook uh, sitting on the bench. The team's doing really well, and here's a picture of Quinn Cook just sitting there, just moping because he's not playing well or he's not playing. And they basically uh, suggested. Uh, that he should just turn in his uniform, and, and it helped Quinn Cook grow up a lot, and, and he's in the NBA. I believe he won a championship with the Warriors. I know he was in the finals, at least. Um, and he talks about, you know, in the, you know, Coach K has been at Duke for now 40 years, but they talk about the hierarchy there in the sense of, you know, if the underclassmen aren't doing things right, the seniors hold them accountable. If the seniors aren't doing things right, there's alums that hold them accountable. So it is a, a tremendous program, a program that we should all strive for to build that Coach K has there at Duke, all right? Uh, next up is, is Jim Harbaugh. Um, you know, very organized, very meticulous, very intense, extremely competitive. Um, you know, one of his quotes here from the book, if the truth hurts, then so be it. It might hurt your feelings for a couple of days, but he never lied to me. People uh, can work with the truth. At least they know where they stand. And I think sometimes we as coaches, especially when it's somebody that we like, it's difficult to tell them the truth. And, uh, you know, the truth does hurt sometimes, it's without a doubt, when you're told that you're not doing well or you're uh, not doing what is you know, expected of you, uh, you're not meeting the expectations. Um, 
but you you have to be honest with that you have to be willing to be honest with others and you have to allow others to be honest with you when you're not meeting those expectations all right um but he does he does talk about uh harbaugh does uh how you know he it does great on people uh one of the lessons he learned in san francisco uh was you know, on, on plane flights, uh, he banned music and card games because he wanted them focused on, on the game. Well, that's how Jim Harbaugh gets ready, but that's not how everybody gets ready. And I think, uh, we have to have standards for getting ready for ball games and, and, and how we run our program. But we also have to realize that not everybody functions the same. Uh, otherwise we'd all be Stepford wives. And, and I think that's a lesson that Harbaugh learned from San Francisco and that's knowledge you know, in that peak performance acronym, um, you know, you take that, it's a mistake, but it's a mistake that I learned from, therefore I'm not going to make that mistake again, all right? And then the last one here is is Jim Beheim from Syracuse, and uh, there wasn't a lot that I was able to glean from, from Beheim, uh, despite all of his success there, but there was one story here uh, that uh, I read, and, and I thought it was really good, so I'm just going to read, excuse me for reading it word for word here, but I think it... Uh, I think it's a really, really good uh, story talking about Bayheim and, and just coaches in general because it, it talks about playing favorites and it talks about players who feel like they're uh, perpetually picked on and persecuted or parents that think, well, you just don't like my kid. Uh, well, do we as coaches play favorites? Absolutely. Absolutely. And here's a story about Jim Beheim uh, playing favorites. So uh, one day, Ronnie, uh, one day in practice, Ronnie Cycli, this is back in the 80s here. Ronnie Cycli finally got frustrated and asked Beheim why he never yelled at freshman Stevie Thompson. Fine, Beheim said and spun on Thompson. Stevie, stop working so hard. Stop making so many good plays. Stop doing what I tell you to do. Stop doing all the things I want without me having to say anything. Beheim turned back to Cycli and said, Happy now? Suffice it to say, Cycli was not happy. But I think that's, and that's a great story. Uh, and, and that's, you know, Bayheim's kind of biting uh, New Yorker, sarcastic uh, way of doing things. But I think there's a lot of truth to that story, that the kids and, and the folks that think that you're playing favorites with people, um, those are the ones uh, that are probably... Uh, not living up to their expectation level, and therefore it's frustrating to deal with that. So uh, that's the first half of this week's book club, uh, Getting to Us by Seth Davis. Um, um, How Great Coaches Make Great Teams. Uh, it's a terrific read. I encourage you to, to go out and pick it up. Uh, again, if you're listening, you're on iTunes or SoundCloud. Uh, uh, if you're on uh, iTunes, uh, give us a five-star review, uh, rate, review, um, let folks know about it. Email us if you have any questions at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at a pen and a napkin. I try to drop uh, daily coaching tidbits on the Twitter page every morning. Um, and so that is it for this week's book club, part one of Getting to Us by Seth Davis. And next week, we'll do the other half, and we will have five other high-wattage coaches to discuss that Seth Davis discussed in this book. But until then, coaches, as always, be sure to hone your craft one day at a time.